Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Off the Record. Jesse and I are taping on a Monday this week. If you are listening on Adobe Live on Thursday, you can subscribe to us at offtherecord.fm or on iTunes or whatever the podcast client of your choice is. For those who listen to us every week, we're sorry. This is all you get. This is it. Uh, it doesn't get any better from here. Um, we don't even know what we're talking about this week. It's probably just going to be Taylor Swift, rap, um, curse word boy at the end of it, and more of that per usual. How are you, Jesse? Can, 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 we, can we really talk about rap when you know nothing about it? Do you know anything about rap? You also just called it rap. You all, you all, Man, you all you know about hip-hop is a Limp Bizkit record. I, that, see, that's not true, Zach. We have to remember that I produced a top 40 hit rap song. What would you call... Uh, Limp Biscuits genre. That's rap metal or new metal, dude. Dog, come on. So you would consider part of that to be rap, though. I mean, I would consider the record I did. We have to remember there was not much rapping on, but like you know, Nookie, he's he's just rapping away. Yeah, I mean that was obviously one of the most quintessential songs of my life. I will tell you, I, uh, I I really enjoy that song. But you want know, to know the the secret tool of that song for me is. When my old studio didn't have the best alarm system, I would uh, put that on repeat all night long because no one's breaking into a place when somebody's on a binge list and a nookie. That is probably like the most ICP thing you could do. <laughs> you are a juggalo. Um, that you, I, I, you breaks, wear that I, hoodie I sometimes proud. Do, I do wear that ICP hoodie you gave me proud. I would sometimes put break stuff on if it seemed like it was going to be a particularly rough night. Jersey City. <laughs> that, that was not in Jersey City, dog. That was in Passaic, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Old oh, studio. Yeah. Old studio. Old studio. Blast that nookie loud. <laughs> I, I, I mean, is there any other way? Like, you, you definitely do not listen to nookie on, like, your laptop speakers. That's got to get pumped in a car. We could do a hip-hop episode. You could give me hip-hop music to listen to, and I could listen to it, and then the internet could hate me. It sounds like a win-win for you. you know, seeing, seeing how bad that went when you did that on your other podcast, I think we need to avoid the failures of Okay. Um, I will say, I'm just, thinking, I'm just thinking about when we could do that, and it just got me off to thinking, we have to pick a strategic recording day next week because I'm seeing Taylor Swift on the 14th. So I feel like we have oh. to make it. We I feel like we have to make a Wednesday recording work next week, so we can talk about my experience at a Taylor Swift Taylor Swift uh, stadium show in uh, Washington D.C. You know, um, if there's one thing I'd rather not do, it's talk about Taylor Swift on this podcast anymore. So um, I think we're taping on a Monday. Okay. Have you gone to many uh, arena shows or like stadium shows? I've never been to a stadium show. Not in my uh, adult life, but um, when I was a kid, you know, I came up during the hair metal days. Oh, I thought and, you just uh, were going to say that you saw Bruce Springsteen every weekend at <laughs> in in uh, in uh, Rutherford, New Jersey. No, no, I, I, I uh, that was not my gig. Um, I saw like Motley Crue and you know Guns and Roses, Metallica, and like Faith No More at stadiums, but that's really it. The uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen a stadium show since I've been an adult. Yeah, this will be my I first. Mean, some, some would say I'm not an adult yet, but yeah. I, I would say you're definitely not an adult. Um, I uh, I have never been to a stadium show, I guess. This will be my first. I've been to, I guess, three or four shows at MSG and one at Barclay Center. And I, get, I mean, obviously, I've been to like amphitheater shows like Jones Beach, um, but I've never been to a like a baseball or football stadium show. I'm curious what that will be like as a different experience, just in terms of like, I feel I have really, I, we got really good seats for a really good price. It's funny, like the, mm. the, um, so I, so in DC, the Taylor Swift show is in the Nationals, and I don't, Jesse doesn't know anything about baseball, I think. So the Nationals are a baseball team, Jesse. I only learned this a few weeks ago. Oh wow! Okay, so it wasn't horrible of me to say that. I was out out at, out out with DC friends who you know like the sports. Yeah, and so it's in the Nationals ballpark, um, and I got like really good tickets, like behind home plate that that close, um, and those seat those tickets were like a hundred dollars each, hundred and twenty dollars each. The cheapest you could get tickets at MetLife Stadium was like the same. Pr- for the ble- like the high top of the nosebleed sections 
was for the same price as we got for just behind home plate in Washington, D.C. It's like $500 for like section one in uh, in like New Jersey, but it's only $100 for like section one in D.C. Pretty crazy. The New York tax. Yeah, yeah. It's that, that, that is definitely a, a, a thing. I've sometimes investigated uh, this type of thing. Oh, wait, I did remember. I forgot that I... Went and saw the Cure on the stadium, their stadium tour after the record we did. Oh, was was that at like? Um, that was Curiosa. That was the one with like. Oh, the you Rapture told me about Interpol this. this Thursday yeah, yeah, that blew my mind. Was that at like MetLife? Not MetLife, but whatever it was called. I I, I lived in LA at the time, mm. so it was at whatever was LA. But I also saw them at the foot the stadium where the Redskins play. And oh, okay. fun story. I can't. I could not imagine you living in LA. There's just a part of me that can't imagine that. This is a good old time. I can imagine you living around San Francisco, but I just cannot imagine you living in LA. So the fun story I was going to tell about the DC show is since we were with the Cure and it was a festival thing, and they were the headliner, and they had to get us out. Like, and they headlined over like Jay Z at that show in Lincoln Park. New metal. Thomas, can I can I intersect real quick? Thomas uh, played for Fourth of July. He played his uh, party playlist again, and it really insists in in it really included five Lincoln Park JC songs, and it was horrible. Oh, and I hope he oh, hears this, and I hope so he knows that I am spiting him in front of the entire internet that listens to this. That's really really sad shit. Um, so what I was gonna say is we uh, at the end of the show when you're a big stadium band, so they for some reason give you a police escort. And they escort you out of town as fast as possible. So, in my, we were part of their escort. And so I had to drive. Um, it was me and Steve Evitz. And I had to drive us and some other people out of the stadium with the police escort at 85 miles an hour past my grandmother's house in DC. Wow. <laughs> it was probably the fastest I've ever driven in my entire life because I'm not really a fast car driving type of guy. You don't even have a car. Never mind in the mom mobile RAV4. I, had, I, I haven't had a car. I, You know, I think this marks 10 years that, since I've had a car, I think. It's crazy. And to think I have a Jeep with my thumbprint on the back of it. Yeah, you get made fun of for that a lot. So much. And no one understands. Like, look, my mom gave it to me as a gift. And like... I don't know that that would have been my top choice of a gift, but what am I going to do? <laughs> Tear it down? No, I, I appreciate it. I like it. I love my mother. She sometimes does not love me, but what am I going to do? Not not take it? <laughs> Whatever. Um, understood. So um, we have a show to do. Uh, okay. All right. Um, so the first thing we were going to talk about is a... A, a meme that's been going around the internet for a little while, which is um, the idea that leaks are over. Leaks are over. They're dead. So, the only so thing that leaks of, is the government, right? That are, you mean like Edward Snowden and the wikis? The wikis. The wikis. Oh, that's a good well, dude. That's a good crusty punk band name, Edward Stone and the WikiLeaks. Hey, we could do it. You want to start a punk band, Jesse? I mean. I can kind of play drums. You can kind of play guitar. I think we're ready to go. And the and the and the wikis. What about the wikis though? <laughs> do you, what do the wikis play? Bass and bass and lead. Uh, I, I think they, they they shake tambourines. Okay. All right. The wikis. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess we have our episode title. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I get leaks are interesting. Um, I remember as a youth um, that I had an in it. Yeah, I had an it leaked uh, account. I also had a what CD account. Um, and for those who don't know, it leaked was a very lo- small, large community of individuals that would upload all albums, whether it was leaked or just released out on this website that had like a login wall and you had to get invited by someone to have access to it. Um, And you would get all these kind of download links like uh, rest in peace, rapid share, rest in peace, the good version of media fire. Media fire used to be so good, man. Um, mega upload. Ugh, I hated Media Fire. Oh, I loved Media Fire. Yeah, yeah. And so all these websites that now no longer exist because of the FBI or the R R I A A, um, they 
they were all populated links on this it leaked website and um you could just download every whatever music you wanted it was sort of like to me what streaming is now except i don't have to download anything and click a bunch of spammy links <laughs> um which is why uh i think streaming is really popular suddenly um but I remember, like, it used to... I never thought a band would make it um, to release a record without a leak. And and this maybe is, like, everyone will roll their eyes at this, but I remember, like, John Nolan of Taking Back Sunday um, was, rele- was releasing a solo album right after he rejoined the band, and I was like, man, when is this album going to leak? And it didn't leak, and why did it not leak? Well, he kind of released it on his own, and no one really cared, so ha-ha. But I remember it was the first album while I was like kind of a conscious human being running the website that had never leaked and it blew my mind. Um, and now things don't really leak all that much, right? I mean, it seems like most records, though, do leak a day or two before. But now that it's also customary to just put up a stream a week before, that week before thing is usually takes care of the leaking anyway. Right, exactly. Yeah, we, we, the press, the bands, the music industry, leak albums now. It is, it is intentionally leaked, we should say. Right, right, right. To get the best. Uh, at some point, I think every uh, publicist were probably like, fuck it, we're taking control of this, doing it ourselves, and we're going to make sure we get a good press premiere out of it if we're going to do it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as opposed to, like, the... Um you know, it would be so silly. Like, I can remember there was, like, that one Thrice record, and it leaked three months before the record oh, came out, yeah. and they put up a stream, like, the week before, and everybody's like, well, yeah, right. Like, why do I need to do this? But I just, for me, and I will, you know, I am always happy to come out and say that, yes, I was an insane illegal downloader for a long time, as we discussed last week on the show. And I would download leaks, and I have to tell you, I don't think I've downloaded a leak of a record in about a year or two. And I legitimately do not know where I would do that. And I don't know if that makes me like an old man or if that means that there isn't a plate. Like I just legitimately, like for instance, the Citizen album leaked and that Citizen is a band manager under Synergy. And I like, I legitimately did not know where to find it to check if it had leaked or not because I, I had no idea because like I used to be so in tune with it leaked and what CD and all that stuff and it just like it does not seem to exist to me anymore. I remember the day that Mega Upload went under and I was like, shit, I guess that's it, man. And to me, that really was the end of leaks or illegal, illegal content in a lot of ways. Like, look, I download torrents of TV. Um, I pay for Hulu, Netflix, and HBO now. But there still are a quarter of the shows I watch that are not on those television uh, providers, and I have, and I doubt I would happily pay, happily for the for a service that included all those other shows that I have to down, download torrents for. It does not exist currently, so I download the torrents. Um, you, you, you know what I, th- I find funny? Since I pay for my cable and everything too, and like um, even like with the John Oliver thing, like what pisses me off sometimes is it doesn't go up on the app immediately. What about on YouTube and, though? Yeah, it doesn't go up on YouTube immediately oh, okay. either after the show. So if I want to watch it on Sunday night, but I miss it, since I only have the app and I don't have it for the cable, it's like it's just like. If I want to watch that, it's like, yeah, I see that torrent staring me down on Easy TV first. Right, Easy and, TV, man, what a great website. Um, but I, th- I think that there's a, the, an interesting thing too is that um, with the leak thing to get back to music, is I remember when it used to be a big problem on um, our redhead stepchild's uh, forum, the Defend Pop Punk group. I remember when it used to be a big problem that. Uh, we would have to fight all the leaks all the time. And, uh, you know, you just don't see it happening on there anymore. Like, people don't post leaks and say, hey, here's the new Citizen record. Yeah, to me, it it seems like there's only one kind of leak. The leak that happens weeks early, you know? It doesn't, and like, the devastating kind, right? Like, the Citizen album wasn't necessarily devastating, but it leaked three weeks early. Um, And that, like, Uh, Didn't the story so far leak pretty early? Yes, it did. So the the leaks that happen pre- seven days out from the album release, you know? Um, those seem to be those seem to be the only ones that still happen. And that happens because uh, some guy with a shitty website um, 
thinks he's going to be really fucking cool if he can give it to a girl that he wants to impress. And then that he or that individual or whomever, um, you know, put it on the internet and then that's it. But I honestly think it's less and less people kind of know where to get this stuff. And I remember like with Mega Upload, I used to pay for Mega Upload. Um, Mm -hmm. Same here. Because not for music, but um, there were all these TV shows before a lot more TV got on Hulu, before HBO Now existed, that you could watch like unlimited video on Mega Upload. So I would watch like... My my app my video like my Apple Music equivalent to video used to be Mega Upload and it was all illegal obviously even though I was paying Mega Upload for it but that was it and I feel like when uh, whoever it was whether the FBI or RIAA or whatever kind of cut out Mega Upload like kind of just neutered uh, Mediafire and all that like that was it and and then I think once Bandcamp and album streams. And certain services like Holix, and for those who don't know, I think we've talked about, I'm sure you must have talked about it by now, but um, Holix is a service, uh, is a watermark service where labels, bands, management companies, whatever, can upload um, uh, music, albums, whatever, uh, and service them to press outlets via stream or download and track who's listening, how are they listening, uh, and if they leak it or not. And I think services like that has all made it a lot more, not complicated, but less desirable, maybe is the right word, to, to leak something. There's less, there's less to gain from leaking a record now than it was like five years ago. Don't you think it is too, though, that the music market's so overflowed now? That you have so much to listen to and it's so easy to to get it. It's almost like you're not concerned because you're like, oh, I can just wait another week. And I have so much to listen to already that it's like, eh, well, whatever. Like you have every song you ever wanted to listen to and it's just made it obsolete. The second thing I want to say is a point you, point you made that, I, th- that uh, I was actually thinking a lot about a, a little while ago. There's a... Uh, remember when that article came out about the guy from the plant that leaked all the records in the early 2000s a couple weeks ago? That yes, big sir. Read? That we talked about, yeah. It's the, article, New the article I wanted to write after that is why most leaks really happened, which is um, a person who's interested in somebody else from the opposite sex or, or the same sex. There's somebody who's interested in courting someone who gets access to their favorite album and then sends it to them. Because I myself, as a man who burns through relationships like people go through shoes, um, I've hey, known that when I would I've you been say in- that you were born that way? Jeez, <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> there has been many a time when I've seen a leak come down the pike of a record I don't particularly care for, but the young lady that I'm trying to court does care for it, and I say... Hey baby, I know you've been just oh my waiting God. for that hot new record. Look at this that I got for you, and that I you are you know, a creepy old man. How am I a creepy old man if I'm sending this to girls who are older than me, Zach? Keep in mind, I've usually dated girls that are older than me. I'm dying inside. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but I think that that's a funny thing because, as we know, with the man overboard real talk leak, as I've written about extensively. That was also leaked because somebody was trying to get a young girl, and then she leaked it. And I think it's it's very funny, under-discussed part of this, that much of how leaks go down is somebody decides to betray the security of a record because they want to impress someone. Yeah, and I know that sounds so silly probably to a lot of people, but... God, it's so true. Like, whether it's a member of the opposite sex or same sex or a friend, like... Every leak is because someone wants to feel cocky and powerful for 10 seconds. Right. Until they get blacklisted. (laughs) Yeah. That's what every leak is. Or a friend that you thought you could trust that was like, yeah, I don't care, man. That dude's my dude. He won't care if I send it to you and you and you. Yeah. You you, you want to know a fun one? Uh, Before there was things like Holix and Play MPE that could watermark. Um, At West West Side, where I used to work, we... Uh, watermarked in a really tricky way the Dillinger Escape Plan Miss Machine record. 
And the way we did it is we made the last track's fade cut off a little early. So each last track was a different second mark. So whatever version uploaded, we knew that was the person that leaked it. Oh. And sure enough, we were able to catch them because we were like, oh, the person who leaked the one at, that was four minutes and 59 seconds long, that was you. And that's who we sent that to. And you're the culprit. I like that. Yeah, I've yeah. never, I've luck, like luckily never really had to deal with the leak on my own for management or really the record label either. Like for Knuckle Pucks While I Stay Secluded EP, someone leaked one song and we have no idea how it got out. Um, still, it wasn't watermarked, so obviously it had to come from someone in relation to the band, but why only leak that one song, you know? Like, it was very hard for us to figure out, um, and we never, we have not, we'll never figure it out at this point, but, um, yeah, and, and leaks just seem to happen less and less, and to matter less and less, again, unless it's some tragic, this leaked three months early, one month early, and we're fucked now anyway. Let's try to make it up, you know? Um, and I, I, what, what we wanted to kind of transition that to is why we why we think that is not happening. And so what do you think, Jesse? It's all about that streaming music, dog. All about that bass? Mm, no trouble. No trouble. The No, the no trouble tour. <laughs> what? Uh, I, think she, I think her tour is called All About That Bass Tour. Oh, is that what it's, uh, what it's called? No. I had no idea. I don't really pay attention. Um, so, Pop Justice, a blog that I'm particularly fond of, which it, it, I, I think I've uh, jokingly referred to it as is like the. Uh, I like don't know this website at all. Oh, so Pop Justice, I, I would call as like the the um, property of Zach of pop. So they do lots of news, but they also do some pretty good like pop think pieces every once in a while. Um, it's consistently the uh, the briefing. The briefing is what they yes. call it. So that the, they uh, they consistently have some really good content. I've been following them for like five or six years. I want to say um, them and uh, there's another one I read called Pigeons and Planes. They handle like the pop world really well. Um, so, but they put up a nice article about how. Uh, God, I'm missing the premise now. Why don't you explain it? Because my brain's going dead. <laughs> Well, Jesse basically would. Well, I mean, you really had to enjoy those three Grateful Dead shows, huh? Worst band on earth. You, you, you know what's a really nice, th- nice thing about those Grateful Dead shows and seeing who tweets about them? I know which one of my friends are not my friends anymore. Really? Tell me how. Did the Grateful Dead? The Grateful Dead are the worst band that has ever walked the earth. Ever. How I do you feel about uh, Fish? Let, me, let me also just say, say this. Um, you know, if you like the Grateful Dead, that's basically handing in your punk card. Um, I look. I don't like the Grateful Dead, but why? <laughs> why? Because there's nothing less punk than the Grateful Dead. Why? You can do whatever you want. You can follow the. That's band. not punk. Not no. what is punk, man? We've went through this definition before. The punk is about seeing through the world and people who see through the bullshit. And it's the same reason I said that I don't think all time low is punk. It's like that whole thing of you're not pandering, you're not bullshitting, you're giving the realest truth there is. And there's nothing more bullshitty than that self-indulgent jamming crap that the Grateful Dead does. Jesse, am I punk? Ah, oh, man, it's uh, you know, Zach. That's <sighs> it's a, a really rough one. I, I I sometimes have this thought. And Are like, you man, punk? I do a punk. I do a punk podcast. With Are somebody you punk? Who's not always so punk. I'm I'm the punkest person alive. Ah, uh, but I'm not punk. I mean, dog. Just, just saying. I mean, I think you sometimes leave a punk, a punk existence, but then you like, listen to Taylor Swift. Oh my God, she's so good. Oh God. All right. Well, you want to know how punk I am right now? Uh, no. I'm, doing, I'm in the middle of doing a leftover crack record, dude. Come I don't on. even know what that is until they're you like, told me. They're, they're like the kings of squatter punk. Squatter like, punk. Like, like when you wear patches and you don't shower, they're like the kings of that You're genre. You're going to scare my grandmother when she listens to this. Don't describe them. I'm just saying, man. There's so much, so much going on. All right. Well, Pop Justice wrote this article called um, The New Release Date. The new release day when everything changed. So um, to do some past follow-up or re-remembering for people, um, 
the global release date is changing this week, the week you're listening to this. So the timing is, of course, good. The day the day after this airs. Yes, there is not a release date on July 7th this week. The new release date is Friday, uh, Friday globally. And this is a difference. Uh, records used to come out on different days in different companies, countries. They used to come out on Mondays in the UK, on Tuesdays in America, and on Fridays in Australia, and different days in the rest of the world. And uh, the music industry collective of the bureaucracy, bureaucracy, bureaucracy has changed release date globally, worldwide, to Friday. So starting July 10th, this coming Friday, um, records come out on Fridays now. That's just how it is. Um, And so Pop Justice wrote this article about basically like, sure, Friday release dates are about to be here, but, you know, release dates typically are about buying music. And um, the, the I guess, and Jesse can correct me if I'm wrong, but the premise of this article is like Apple Music just made it so we don't have to buy music anymore. And um, they take two kind of premises. One is this artist, Petite Meller, who had released a single or album, I guess, months ago, like six months ago, but never put it on iTunes. And six months later, it's on iTunes. But now there's Apple Music. And the writer doesn't have to buy the single. They would have if Apple Music hadn't existed yet. But now all they had to do was hit the add to my music button, and it was there. And so whether an album comes out on a Friday or it came out six months ago and someone's just getting around to it, just like you could on Spotify for two years now, all you have to do is hit the add button. And yes, the release date still exists, kind of, for sure. Like Friday's a global release date. But if you're not an artist that's trying to sell album after album after album all on one day, is the release date, does it exist anymore? Like, has it all actually changed just with the launch of Apple Music? Because now... Every single service that sells music, except Amazon, I guess, has a streaming service. Um, I guess Amazon doesn't have a streaming service, huh? They have like a music service where you can. No, upload. Amazon totally has a streaming service. It's just its new releases aren't available for six months. What are you talking about? Okay. We've been over this. Okay. Well, that's what I mean. Like that doesn't count. Yeah, it's just it's a streaming service. Like like we kind of got into another one. It's for. Just it's for Prime users, and let's be honest. Like your most teenagers don't get Amazon Prime; their parents get it, and parents are never listening to what comes out on the release date. No, most parents aren't sitting around like, "Oh wow, so glad that new McCartney record came out today." They find out about six months later when they're at a dinner party or a tennis match. <laughs> tennis match. Is that what you think all white people do when they're like sixty? Uh, well, I think of it because what my father's done pretty much for as long as I can remember is sit around and play a lot of tennis. It's funny that you mentioned Prime because Amazon has just announced Prime Day. I don't know if you saw yes, this. Yes, I saw this. I did. And Prime Day is a one-day only event filled with more deals than Black Friday, exclusively for Prime members around the globe. Pretty genius. I'm going to spend some money. Wow, you're like a commercial for them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I think this article is kind of weightless and also has weight in some sense. Like, I still think uh, Taylor Swift is going to sell a lot of records, right? Like, but at the same time, when like uh, God, who's a good example? Uh, if Brand New releases a new record, I'll probably, I mean, I definitely would buy it on vinyl. But why wouldn't I just hit add on my uh, Apple Music account, right? Like the weight of this new global release date is kind of has the has the ground, you know, hollowed under it just out of the fact that Apple's not really pushing us to sell music anymore. Yes, I think I think that's the, the key is is that um, what we're really seeing with this is is that yes, Apple Music has kind of said. Don't really care about lining artists' pockets. Do really care about giving our users a great experience. And I will say this, add to my library thing. Like you brought up the thing that you could just add to your library, the Wonder Years, because it's already been posted, that it's available on there, and it's going to be there at release date. This is great. And I will tell you, I spent this weekend kind of like starring and harding and yeah i was invested i want it to know my i want the algorithm or whatever whatever i want it to know more 
Yeah, and I will tell you, as it did it, like I'm not totally loving the for you section. You had a little bit easier time, but I think your tastes are a little more narrow than mine. Not saying that as anything, but you know, it trying to decipher why I like Jimmy World and Apex Twin is probably not the easiest thing. Um, so, but it's getting better, and I definitely had something. It's a a fun time. I did give up. Uh, very immediately when I looked at my uh, humongous iTunes library and decided still to not do the match because it's going to take me a good 3,000 years to go through all the songs I have and decide what I'm deleting and what I'm not. You have too many problems in your life. Yeah, well, you know, I got uh, 99 problems and Apple Music is one. Holy! Mm, 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 mm. Um, Anyway, we were saying stuff. Well, look, sometimes, like once every six months, I buy some kind of music on Bandcamp. Like a friend of mine puts up an EP that they don't know that TuneCore exists, you know, Um, and I'll buy that. But I don't know that I would ever buy a digital album again, right? I I mean, I haven't in so long. It's like insane. I can't even. I, I mean, I've done this, though, is that when I've really liked some band's records, I've given them if they have the name your own price, I've given them some extra money as a tip on Bandcamp, which I do think that's going to be something that's necessary um, in the future is that we're going to need... Some sites going to be need to enable a tip jar for bands. Anyway, uh, we're going to need to have a service that allows tipping artists because there's people like me who have some disposable income and I want to show my appreciation and make sure they get some money for how much I've listened to their stuff. And, you know, streaming music does allow me to give some of that, but sometimes I want to give some extra money. And just buying merch doesn't always do it. You know, giving $40 for a record I listen to a lot on Bandcamp, as opposed to buying, what, eight T-shirts to give them the same profit? Right. It probably would not be that hard uh, for someone to create a nice pay portal for a tipping jar uh, that's not PayPal, and to make it work. Yes. Yes. We'll see how that goes. I am curious, like, J-Tree and Bad Timing each have a record coming out, or, you know, a release coming out on July 10th, and I wonder if anyone will buy it, if no one will buy it, and if it matters at all. Because now, I mean, just to just to wrap this up, like, so much is put into those first day of sales like not even the release date sales but the first day of pre-order sales maybe not for like a massive um you know uh major label release but for so many independent labels like run for cover bad timing top shelf whatever all we do is announce a record and push that pre-order date so hard because that first day of pre-orders is going to tell us so much about if someone's going to buy the record or not. And for bad timing, we typically see way more orders on the first day of pre-orders than we do on the day the album comes out. Um, and and so that, like to me, the release date is all about the first pre-order day. <laughs> that's a side note, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think that that's just think strategy-wise, but consumer-wise, that's not really the case. I mean, I think when it's your favorite band or a band record you're really looking forward to, it definitely is a thing that, you know, the release day could be a big day. Like, you know, I think about, like, the bands that I'm invested in, I'm usually going to hear that record within those two to three days. Right, yeah. I don't know, I think you're someone, too, that, like, I, and this is probably because of the website, but, you know, I know when every release is coming out because of, like, I post about it on the website. Um, but a lot of people, or maybe, I mean, you definitely do, but you you re- rely on, right? Like something like RDO's release page. Um, yes. And that's kind of why I do the albums out this week every week on the website because I think a lot of people have no idea what's coming out when. Um, but I would be so interested if like, I don't know, maybe, you know, bad timing would, you know, maybe we could do something like we announce an album and we push it to start pre-orders, I guess, digitally right away. And we could point people to the Apple Music link where they could just add it into their um, My Music section immediately. So when it comes out, it's there and they don't forget about it. Like that could be something too in the future, but who knows? Because I would rather, you know, if anyone's on the fence about ordering a physical package, if they could order it, if they could just hit the add button on Apple Music and 
it turns up at the top of their list on the release date and they listen to it for a while and they go to a show or buy a record online. Like that's a win for us still. But Yeah, agreed. I mean, you're just trying to convert bands over. Now the question is though too, is is this going to see a resurgence in the push for a 360 deal, do you think? Why? Because if the money starts to disappear from downloads and starts to just be streaming, don't you think that the labels are going to be more apt to want to get in on uh, some of the profits from other uh, incomes? Well, I don't think 360 deals have gone away at all. So I don't know if there could be a resurgence. Uh, I, I wouldn't say gone away, but I do think that there's... Uh, I don't see the this is the saving grace of record labels thing that being it as much anymore well i know they're still pretty much offered every single first contract pass for a lot of independent labels and also the large majority if not every single major label so i feel like if anything sure if anything i would say it it would be more of a deterrent that record labels are not going to give up a 360 deal negotiation. Like it's more of an enforcement to why they can't give it up because, hey, we're going to make less money rather than more labels are going to start doing it. Because I think at this point, a lot of labels kind of have their foot in the ground, like almost not. It's funny, like I think a lot of artists expect a 360 deal out of a label. So it's not. It's 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 like a it's like even a bigger plus like oh my god this label doesn't do a 360 deal like that's their marketing <laughs> like it, it's not like it's some uh, it's it's not like it's some old uh, and respected trait it's almost like wow they don't do this they're really cool and hip um, mm-hmm. because that's almost and a lot of labels negotiations at certain sizes for a band that's more rare um, like not having a 360 deal which I think is pretty laughable but here we are okay. I think about my other thought I had while I was messing with uh, Apple Music this weekend is, so how long do you think do they take their leveraging power and make it that there's a very similar service for movies and TV like this through Apple? Uh, it Don't seems you think that that's like, the September well, announcement with it the was new supposed, Apple TV? It was supposed to be the June announcement. Um and a lot of people think why the Apple Music announcement at WWDC was so cl- uh, like clunky was because they uh, they were supposed to announce Apple TV like the service and they couldn't. Um, so actually, just from listening to a podcast last night uh, with two white men and white wo- one white woman, Jesse, um, it seems like the hardware and the software is completely done. But the service wasn't. And so what Apple is planning to do is to launch a new like streaming service that has better bundled deals with, you know, all the content providers like HBO and Showtime and you know, so on, where you pay Apple fifteen or twenty dollars a month and you get cable and you get those services. Um and, mm. and maybe you can add on one or two more for five dollars or ten dollars more a month. And it may not cost you any less than cable at the end of the day. But you know what? The average listener probably doesn't spend $120 a year on buying music anyway. But if they if they subscribe to Apple Music, they're going to. Um, so yes, I think Apple is absolutely doing that. And man, there's nothing more that would actually get me to buy a TV than if I could get an Apple, if I could buy an Apple TV product and pay them $20 to $30 a month and to go for it. I'm in, you know, that, that I, I, that is happening. That's happening this year. Um, that's probably happening in September. That will probably happen on September 9th of this year. Um, I assume that will be there kind of like the, after the, after they announce the iPhone, they will announce that kind of thing. Um, yes. and I am very, right. that, that's the thing. Like I consume so much video and again, like I happily pay, I happily pay for stuff. You know, I don't want, it's really easy for me to go to Easy TV and to download whatever, but I would rather pay for a service that would host it for me. But a lot of these networks are not there yet, um, and I would, you know, I would definitely rather pay one service though than get a bill from Hulu, Netflix, and um, HBO Now at different portions of the month. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's just going to be more and more of a consolidation. The only thing is. You know, video and media like that is still so much massively more expensive um, to oh, make yeah, to than make music, kind of obviously. So, 
the pricing is complicated and and that doesn't necessarily make me upset you know like i i understand that uh you know they spend five million dollars an episode on game of thrones which is insane um, yeah i mean it's funny because it's like media gets cheaper and then more expensive like i have a friend who works at john oliver and he talks about how an episode of John Oliver is a rounding error on a Game of Thrones episode. Oh, it's like they all they do is point a video at him. Well, there's a lot of production. Sure, but like game, do, like but. Game of like they're sitting in a booth in New York and Game of Thrones is shooting in Africa, Spain, and Denmark. It's insane. Yeah, um, it's 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 really funny. But that how like that TV to me is, there, is in a golden like in a bit of a golden like it's so good right now. Like there's so much good TV right now. It's great. Oh yeah. Um, one of the p- points I was going to make that I, I that I also have found kind of funny, um, and I'm going to just out myself here, and so if, you know the companies are, but so I have Time Warner, who are notoriously I think they're the second lowest rated company in America for customer service, and their on demand is so bad that it could be days before your show goes up. Um, that the only two shows I regularly torrent are Halt and Catch Fire and Hannibal, and I own both those channels, but I can't take how long it takes. And now, and then as well, my on-demand consistently fails and the sound drops out because they're such a bad company. So any sympathy I have for that we should be paying these companies still goes right out the window. These companies need to die because they're such monopolies and they give us terrible customer service, and I hope that they die. I really do. I hope that these companies go right out of business. Like, you know, I wanted to watch the second episode of Mr. Robot last night. And I sat on my couch. It's fantastic. You you know, I've watched each episode three times already. Yeah. Oh, wow. Jeez. I went to sit on my couch and watch it with my iPad, and it's web only on Hulu. But it's on Hulu. Like, what's the point, man? What's the point? I'm still going to get that dumb ad anyway. And I was like, this sucks. This is a shitty viewing experience. I have never seen a web-only versus an iOS show on YouTube, on Hulu. But that's it. And I'm like, ugh, this is so frustrating. Um, so I, I think there will be a... Uh, I think there will be a disruption there soon. Um, yeah. Do we want to do a few questions before we finish up? We certainly can. I'd be curious to hear Jesse's take on Beatles mono versus stereo debate. In a similar vein, I know Zach is watching the Star Wars despecialized versions as part of his bet. Are these things objectively better? How much does a role? How much of a role does nostalgia uh, play? I will say, uh, my dear friends Connor and Adrian have not yet gotten me these despecialized versions. I would have watched the show already, the movies already. I have a feeling that they'll never get them to me. In which case, I will never watch Star Wars. In which case, they have, will have gotten a tattoo without really any reason. Um, and I'm all about that because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> uh, here, here's a great answer. I, th- I love alternate versions of any record. I think it's always interesting to have your favorite records and be able to experience them in different ways. And then I'm going to be totally honest. I've never listened to the Beatles in mono or stereo or whatever because I don't ever want to hear the Beatles again because they're music from before 1972, and I think all music from before 1972 could just die. I didn't know we shared a similar thought of the Beatles. I have listened to the Beatles a lot. I love the Beatles, but I'm somebody who's very much like... um, I was having a conversation with one of my roommates the other night that like I truly hate the past, and I'm very excited for the future always. I don't look back a lot. I don't have a lot of nostalgia. I'm not a nostalgic person. It's the same way like when I watch people these days romancing constantly the bands and just all they can talk about is reunions and stuff like that. I just find it so boring when there's so much great stuff going on right now. It's like, who cares? Who cares? Um, But with that said, it's amazing to hear your favorite records in different presentations and I think that's great that you're able to hear Beatles records in stereo and not just the original intended mono. I also love remastered records. I, I get so happy when I see a remastering of a record I have. Or when, for example, I just got a really nice gift from uh, someone I worked with where they gave me a very expensive pair of headphones that they had received, but um, they irritate their ears because um, they're over-the-ear headphones, and they gave these to me. And I've been enjoying lots of things lately that I haven't enjoyed. Leftover crack headphones. 
No, definitely not leftover crack headphones. <laughs> um, from at Penguin by Dom, with Apple Music, I've noticed that not a lot of bands are on there. Example, Knuckle Puck. Is the process different now? We, Bad Timing and Knuckle Puck, received several tweets that their music was not on Apple Music, which uh, was a surprise to us. And it turns out that if you use if you use TuneCore, you have to opt in to Apple Music. And you would have imagined that TuneCore would have sent out emails about this. But if TuneCore did, it's I didn't read it because TuneCore sends me three emails a day, all that are garbage, um, which is a problem for TuneCore. Isn't that really the thing too that like really is the plague of so many companies is that they because they over email you, you don't get the really important. Right. I emails. have no idea if uh, an important TuneCore email because I automatically delete them because I I seriously I'm not kidding you get three emails a day about like hey. Your music has automatically been uploaded to a new service called ZZ Sounds. However, I, it wasn't automatically uploaded to Apple Music, which was interesting. Well, it's because you have to sign a different agreement. Right. And so all we had to do was press one button, and now all of that stuff is on Apple Music. So if you go through a major distributor, it's the same process. If you have an independent distributor like TuneCore or CD Baby, turns out you might have to hit a little button, which I, uh, I didn't know about. Um, and now we do. Uh, we should. We should. We should also say uh, this is a good time to plug. Use DistroKid and not TuneCore. Just saying. Just saying. Or CD Baby, who takes a percentage of your sales, which is fucking gross. Ugh. Um. It is interesting though. I didn't know that about TuneCore, but I have that same problem with um, Pro Tools or their parent company, Avid. Is they send me sto so many stupid emails that I don't notice when the good ones come in. That's a bummer. Like. Drexel, similar. I think it's the same thing with colleges. Like, I would get so many emails from Drexel that I missed that I had to go like pick up like graduation clothes, you know, um, because I just automatically would delete all of my Drexel emails. <laughs> um, and then someone was like, "Yeah, I'm going to get like cap and gown," and I was like, "You are? How did you know about that?" And they said, it, "You they emailed it to us on Friday, dummy." And I said, "Oh, which one of the ten was that about?" <laughs> Jesus. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So the next question uh, tells me that they're introducing and producing music, and they're going to put together a studio in their home. Any suggestions? DAW, audio interface, microphones, recording tips from Kirk Palsma on Twitter. Um, I'm going to make this really easy. Pro Tools now has a free version, 16 tracks uh, that you can start with and see if you like it. Uh, I definitely think that's the best thing. Uh, Apogee Duet is the best interface for the money. Uh, microphones. SM57 is the best mic for recording guitar, and it's under $100. Start there. An AKG 414 or a Rode NTK are the best vocal starting mics. Uh, and then you need one mic for a bass. Usually get a D112 or a Shure SM7, which could also be a vocal mic. Uh, and that's about as far as I'm going to go. You've made his day. Thank you, Jesse. Do you think a streaming service solely based around discovery can ever compete with the likes of Spotify, given the fact that it's USP as a feature that these services already incorporate? Um, I do not think anyone will necessarily, as long as music stays in the function that it currently is, will really be able to compete with um, Spotify or Apple Music. Uh, I think 100% agreed and maybe that's a good preview for something we're going to talk about next week maybe why don't we just say what we'll talk about next week you tease him uh, it's your uh, child I spent six months of this year designing a Spotify competitor that we kind of realized could never get off the ground and next week we're going to discuss the ideas I had behind it and maybe what some of these services we'd like to see reflected in the future of streaming music services mm. we're excited we're going to come up with a witty name. Jesse's going to be fired up. We're going to try to save oh, yeah. the music industry. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy, Zach. It, but, it, you know, it's never easy, but we don't do anything because it's easy. We do it because it's right. God damn it. That's good. You have any recommendations? Uh, well, we had to cut recommendations out of our show last week, um, mm -hmm. but we're not going to this week. And... Uh, yeah. I would recommend uh, the Pixar movie, Inside Out. 
Uh, Jesse will not recommend it because he does not have a heart. But um, I saw Inside Out with my lady, and it was excellent. Um, I love Pixar. All about it. Go see that if you haven't yet. Didn't you also so go go do what I do? Oh every weekend? yes, you- obviously. I I forgot to mention this. I saw a lovely movie that Jesse had been talking about months ago called Ex Machina. Um, that was fantastic. Um, best movie, best movie in years. It was really great. Uh, we saw it at this very Brooklyn uh, movie theater. The night, the night, the Nighthawk Cinema, aka where you can find Jesse at least one night every two weeks. It was a cool movie theater. I'm going to see Angst there on Friday, which is this movie. It's like one of the rarest movies to find. It's like what one is of it? the original. It's a, it's a shock slasher that yeah. like is like one of the most influential movies that's been around uh, in a long time. And you can never find this. Like it's not even on torrents. So I'm very excited. Cool, cool. And but but the main feature of the movie theater, though, of course, Zach is you, that you, you can, can eat and drink. Drunk. That you, they bring you booze. I to was your so seats. cold in there because I had shorts on. Um, so I ordered tea. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's not what I order when I'm there. Yeah. Grace and I went to a very, it wasn't like a nice, quote, like expensive restaurant in um, Williamsburg. But, man, what was it called? It was just like, uh, I'm not going to remember. Whatever. I had a nice date night, basically. Oh. Uh, and Jesse and I were both going to recommend uh, Mr. Robot, um, which. I think I actually did do that last week. Okay. Well, uh, watch yeah. it anyway. Yeah. Such a good show. Well, is that all we got? Uh, I have two recommendations. One, a album I worked very hard on of fun, surfy, girl pop harmony stuff from Heyana came out this week called Run Coco. I suggest you listen to that. And then two, the thing that's been the most inspiring to me in a while, I've been um, huff-duffing all the Google talks or the talks at Google that I find interesting. So Google puts up every speech that happens at their campuses and um, you get some of the people summarizing the smartest books. There's a really good episode of the Mr. Robot creator, actually, with Christian Slater. Um, there's a good talk with Alex Garland, who wrote Ex Machina. Um, but I basically have been huff-duffing all those ep- uh, talks at Google. And, man, I've been learning so much. It's like... Did I ruin your life with huff-duffer? You kind of, dude, I'm not kidding you. I say I think I've already huff-duffed like 60 to 70 things. Yep. It's quite a tool. Yeah, it's it's really so good for being able to just listen to speeches, and I've been doing that instead of listening to semi-boring pop podcasts instead. White guys to the rescue. Well, thank you for listening to Off the Record this week. Jesse and I will be back to save the music industry next week. You can subscribe to us at offtherecord.fm, iTunes, or your podcast client of choice, and we will see you in seven days. Thank you.